Hello friends, welcome to Cositas by Wonder Keeper. This is your host, Priscila Velis, and I am so honored that I can come to you directly from my own garage. That's right, I'm in my garage at this moment speaking to you. And dear friends, I hope that wherever you are in time and space that you feel grounded. And before jumping in, I want to welcome you by inviting us to take three especially deep breaths. So pausing wherever we are, whether you're standing, sitting, laying down, I invite you to take a deep breath in through your nose and out. Inviting us to take another deep breath for our own hearts. <sighs> Emptying the body of breath with that long exhale. Now take a deep breath in. Grounding where you are and out. Allowing your breath to take its normal rhythm. I invite you to smile. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, sometimes our joy is the source of our smile, but Sometimes it's our smile that's the source of our joy. So we actually mentioned Thich Nhat Hanh with, within this episode, May He Rest in Power. We talk about looking deeply into our pain and suffering in order to transform that and then find the joy that comes on the other side of that. What authenticity can come when we heal of trauma that's come through painful interactions with systems and institutions including religion and other dynamics that have hurt us growing up we also talk about how to transcend the gender norms uh maddie's does weightlifting in different forms and she talks about how that is the way that she's connected the most with her femininity, which is so interesting and beautiful to hear her experience of that kind of exercise and how I got to relate to that in my own way in a very different experience, which was preparing and then actually giving birth, which you'll hear more about that soon. We talk about going deep into our shadow work and even finding new ways to relate to grief. We talk about our own experiences of losing people recently and how there could be such an abundant spectrum of experiences, including rich joy, beauty, and intimacy within that sadness and that grief and that loss. So we just have fun for the most part. <laughs> As I speak, I realize there's so many heavy topics that came up but it was so chill and so light and humorous and fun and just so beautiful 
it just felt like spending time with a best friend, you know, a person that I feel that I'm very close to and I feel very comfortable with. And I want to introduce Maddie as the owner of Madeline May Photography. I call her the photo bishop in this episode because she's so much more than just a photographer, which photographers are awesome. But what she does is like spiritual work. I think she helps people be more in touch with themselves and she creates such spectacular visions for her projects that she does through her her photography and we're gonna get into that soon so without giving much more away I want to introduce to you Madeline Maddie Butler and this is my conversation with her which I call rewilding us because what does it mean for us to come back to our bodies and truly be wild And when we talk about being wild, we talk about going back to our essence, to our true nature, right? When we relate to one another, when we relate to the world around us, we want to rewild ourselves and our nature and our communities and culture. So with, without further ado, this is Rewilding Us with Maddie Butler. Hello. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> I'm excited to be on Cositas. Cositas. I probably said that so white. <laughs> no, you said it really well. Cositas. Cositas. And then our dog. Because yeah. we share, Maddie and I are, are two mamas. We co-parent. We co-parent. Miss Pearl. Our Miss lovely Pearl. little tatties. Mm-hmm. I've been calling her tatties more often. So our yeah. dog um tatties she was a rescue and then we well let me get myself out of the story because I wasn't there <laughs> but our friend Kate and Oscar uh found tats and she had all her tetis her tatties yeah. like hanging out she right? had just given birth poor mm -hmm. baby and she was a stray so they started calling her tatties <laughs> But her, her lady name is Pearl. Well, the story is that Oscar took her to the vet. And so it was like that official day where she went from being like that street dog to like, no, she's going to the vet. She's going to get her own little collar. She's domesticated now yeah. or whatever. You're never really domesticated. <laughs> and she's here with us right now. Um, and they asked Oscar, what's her name? And even though they had always called her Taddy's, he made her caller say Pearl T. Gomez. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Kate saw that and she was like, who's Pearl T. Gomez? What the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's sweet. He tried to give her like a, a sweet name, but she's still a street dog. We call her Tats. We call her Tats. <laughs> That's her hood name. Yep. But, That's her. That's yeah. her North Tampa, right? Yeah. North Tampa. Yeah, she's the best. She is the best. I love how she brings us together. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Yeah, she's our true child. Yeah. And now my baby, like, 
loves her so much like just wakes up and wants to hang out with her yeah and then before bed is like tatties where's tatties and he lifts up his arms like where is she no it's so sweet i love watching them together it's very cute it's so cute it's so cute tats and it's a little bit less work than having another child so for now we can do the sibling magic (laughs) without having to give birth to a whole other baby just yeah Yeah. that's nice (laughs) Yeah. That's a big, big process. It's a big process. Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling now that you're like a year and a half into being a mama? Look at you, podcast host. Like, have you, do you feel like you've fully recovered and like evolved into your new, Mm. your new self? Interesting. Because I feel like it's a very long journey of like recovery and then learning yeah you're new you know it's a process of evolution for women yeah Hmm. sitting with that for for a moment real quick um like everything changes when you become a mom right like your body changes forever um and even physically you know i i co-sleep and i breastfeed so the way my body feels right now is like completely different, right? Than before I had a baby. Um, that being said, I've recovered energy, right? In the sense that now I'm finally getting back to Zumba and dancing. So I right. have like those endorphins that flow through your body when you exercise, as you know. Yes. Um, so that's been really amazing to recover that energy because I really miss that like it's just it's it's like nature's medicine you yeah. know to exercise and you know a lot about that I so. do I can't imagine not doing it like I think people start exercising for vain reasons right like we want to like look good naked we want to like <laughs> <laughs> we want to look good and like feel good about ourselves but I think it's interesting because this is becoming like more of a topic now but it should have been the point all along is that um, when you exercise it basically gives you these hope molecules like you're creating better mental health just by movement and that is the point like it's Mm. not just to look good it's to it's an overall wellness Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think growing up, it was, like, kind of a toxic um, mm-hmm. thing. Like, mm-hmm. people were like, oh, my God, I have to work out so I look good and so I can be skinny and so I can look like the status quo of, like, what society is telling me I'm supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And the entire time, you're really supposed to be doing it so that you feel good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not, like, looks don't even matter mm-hmm. anymore. It, it reminds me of, of Lizzo. Um, I don't know if you've seen her videos or she has a video where she's just like working out and she's like, <laughs> I work out like this and I've done this for years. Yeah. Why do I do it? And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but she's like, none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it really isn't. Like, yeah. I, I do powerlifting, which is like, was for a long time predominantly like a masculine, male dominated sport. Mm hmm. And I'm very comfortable in my masculinity personally. Like, Mm -hmm. I've always been more that way. 
but really when I started powerlifting I've never felt more close to like my femininity like like crossing those um boundaries just made me feel like very powerful very feminine very you know um like lioness feeling damn yeah um but I it's when I don't do it I feel I get depressed I get um a little like melancholy it's just not you know, when I'm not active, it's obvious that, like, what it's doing for me mm. and my mental health, you know, obviously it's affecting my physical health in a positive way, too, but the mental aspect is more important to me now than what I look like, so. Mm-hmm. What, can you say more about the the crossing of that masculine and feminine energy as yeah. you're doing that? Yeah, I think... Um, I don't, I always grew up, like, around boys, and, um, I was more comfortable around men and boys because I felt like they weren't as, like, catty, you know? Like, if they had a problem, they would just deal with it then and there, and then they'd kind of, like, let it go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like girls, young girls, especially, like, harbor things, you know? Mm. Like, they, um, if they have a conflict, they'll just, like, hold on to it for mm. a really long time. Mm. And I don't like to do that. I like to just, like, hash it out and then move on. Mm -hmm. And um, so growing up, I just felt more comfortable around masculine energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I feel like as I got older, I developed more of a... I feel like I used that as, like, protection, Mm. which is unfortunate that Mm -hmm. women have to do that. But I felt like Mm -hmm. I was more unapproachable to men because of my masculine energy. Like, they weren't interested in me romantically, which is what I wanted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just wanted to be left alone, so I used that as, like, a coping mechanism. Mm. So, but Mm. now that I'm older, I feel like I float in the middle, and it's really cool. Like, Mm. I love... I don't know. I'm just comfortable, like, Mm -hmm. in that gray area. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm a female. I identify as a female. I'm comfortable in my femininity, but I'm also very comfortable in masculinity Mm -hmm. also. So when Mm -hmm. I do powerlifting, like, I feel both at the same time, and it feels powerful, you know? Like, it's just really cool. And it's cool to see... Like, the sport is growing for females, which is really cool to see because you go into the gym and you can tell everyone feels that. Mm. You know, like, it's a collective, like, wow, like, I'm capable of doing this. Wow. Yeah, so. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And, like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I'm glad I started doing it. It's funny. I was at the gym one day just doing, like, a regular workout, and um, one of the coaches came up to me, and I had been working with her to kind of get myself back on track, and she was like, have you ever done powerlifting? And I was like, no, and I just was like, I probably wouldn't because I'm not very competitive in anything. Like, it's just not in my nature to be competitive, Mm -hmm. and she was like, well, it's not really 
I mean, I guess you could make it competitive, but you're just, like, trying to beat your personal records. And she's like, I think you'd be really good at it. Um, and she was like, would you be willing to try it, like, if I wrote your program to be like that? And I was like, yeah, sure, like, I'll try it. And then I never stopped doing it, and that was, like, three years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I love that visual of stepping into the gym and doing this power lifting that you do and that you can sense that all the other women and men yeah. feel that sense of like, we can do this, we're capable. Yeah. Yeah. I would say some of them are like, some of the people in the gym are like, um, they joke about it. They're like, we're so sick. Like we just come in here and we're like so interested in like pushing ourselves to the absolute max and like, um, my, the manager there, he's always, like, um, basically we're just a bunch of masochists because we don't mind, mm. like, hurting ourselves <laughs> <laughs> to, like, push ourselves to a specific goal, but it's really, it's more than that, like, joking aside, it's, it's a powerful community to be a part of, it's really cool, so. That's so, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about when I was pregnant, I went on a baby moon with Oscar. So it's like, you know, before having the baby, we were all excited. I'm in my second trimester. So that's when my energy was spiking up again, you know, and I didn't have that nausea and that morning sickness that's very prominent at the beginning. Uh, and then I wasn't super huge as the third trimester. So that sweet spot, I decided to go with Oscar to Georgia. We were at the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I remember that I pushed us just to the core. Like, we did this eight-mile hike, but it was, like, going upward. Yeah. And Oscar was like, you're crazy. What are you doing? And I was like, let's keep going. We're going to have a child. We're going to need to push ourselves. <laughs> let's do it. I was here coaching him, and he's like, what are you doing? And it was so funny because I made us go on this eight-mile hike, Because I had understood from my maps that, oh, we have to park here and we have to walk the rest of the way. And our destination was this, like, beautiful bridge. Um, it was, like, in the middle of a river and all this. So that was our destination. That's where we were going. There's, I think, waterfalls as well. But um, I didn't find a parking that was close to that. And it, it said, okay, you have to hike for eight miles up a mountain. Let's do it. Let's go. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm telling Oscar to do this. And he's just like, what's going on? Taddy's is with us. So she's like leading the pack. Yeah. Our dog is like, she's just going in front of us. And we took her off the leash because we didn't see any, anyone else for miles. Right. And she's just like the, like the girl scout, you know, she's yeah. like going in front of us. <laughs> and then she stopped, look back, wait for us to come. And, you know, then we would um, take breaks, drink some water and just continue. And, and I was just like, I was on it. And then when we get close to the actual destination, we notice there's a parking lot right next to it. And Oscar's oh like, gosh. are you serious? <laughs> and so on our way back, we considered asking someone because right when you get to the destination, there's tourists there and people that are checking it out. And we considered asking someone for a ride to our car. 
And I was on that tip of like, no, we're going to push ourselves to our edge. We're going to push ourselves to an edge. And even though it was a little wild and it was a little scary at times, not going to lie, because, you know, I'm super pregnant and we ran out of water, I'm pretty oh, sure, gosh. at some point. Yeah. Um, it wasn't terrible, right? But I was, I was unaware of how long it would take to get there and all of that. Yeah. But I remember just, just having this thought that was really empowering and it was like I'm pushing myself to my edge like we're gonna push ourselves to our edge and we also did like a lot of other outdoorsy nature stuff in that trip like we uh we went kayaking but it was it wasn't like the typical you know lazy river kayaking there had just been a hurricane in the area so it got really intense and really quick at some points and there is these like buff men that they fell off their kayak and then Oscar also fell off his kayak, and it was intense. Uh, there was this this family and, and this teenage boy that was, like, hanging on a branch, and I passed by him, and I wanted to help them, but everyone that was turning around to help people kept falling. Right. So I was pregnant, so I was thinking, like, oh, shoot. Everyone ended up getting back safe, and it was great. Um, I, I just, I, I yelled at these men that were kayaking in front of me. I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. I need him. Go get him. He's in the water. Nothing to do that. I, that I was pregnant, but they went and helped Oscar and Oscar ended up getting on by himself. Yeah. But I just remember that whole time that I just felt like such a badass, like doing all these things and being so capable. <laughs> and I was like the healing energy of nature also, which is yeah. like when you are moving your body and you're in nature, like what is more medicinal than that? And you're with people that you love right yeah. like there's just it was so empowering to do that yeah. and I think giving birth for me was going back to your first question giving birth for me was the wildest event of my life and by that I'm talking about like people talk about rewilding ourselves how we as humans have become so domesticated and so out of touch of our bodies and our essence yeah. but rewilding ourselves is returning to those things that make us human right Right. and I felt that giving birth was just the most embodied rewilding experience of my life of just going to that sexual energy the masculine the feminine all of it and it's like I took off all the masks that I ever had like I just took them off like there's no created personality there's no there's at that moment i'm just yelling i'm i'm an animal (laughs) the animal inside of me the animal of priscilla is is there right and it is so powerful because you connect with your ancestors and every woman you know that comes before you in this strong lineage of people even before the medical system existed and all of this technology we have the technology of our bodies and of nature Right. And those rhythms of nature, that was what I was following. And my baby, of course, which is also part of that rhythm. And so I want to make all these connections because as I hear you speak, I'm thinking about that idea of like, we want to push ourselves to our edge. Yeah. And sometimes we can become crazy obsessed with that notion. And we know people that yeah. that do. But there's something to that. There's a reason why it's so pleasurable. And I think part of it is because we've become so out of touch of ourselves right we see it in religion we see it in the way society works and so it's just like i i love to hear you and i love i love how as friends we can assist each other in rewilding ourselves um 
yeah That's I don't cool. know if that brings I up for you that. yeah I I agree with that and I think I think I have like a healthy balance of pushing myself mm-hmm. to the edge like mm-hmm. I'm not like a daredevil I'm not like base jumping or like doing yeah. <laughs> you know like these adrenaline junkie things but finding ways to feel that um that bring you back there on on your day-to-day is like really special and super important so I love that that's so cool I I can just like see you as like this animal (laughs) like giving birth to your son just like yeah it's like I just let go of like all the people pleasing in that moment it was so spiritual like yeah I just I feel that you know despite what people say and how the media portrays it and I'm not here to romanticize birth it hurt like hell like at that moment like I've heard people say that women can forget how much birth hurts and it's part of the evolutionary aspect of like you know for us to keep on reproducing and keep on uh our multiplying our species like we need to forget that intensity um I, I didn't think that was true, but I kind of think it's true now because I just remember feeling like, oh, my God, when the hell is this going to end? Right. I was in labor for 38 hours. At the beginning, it was more romantic. I was like, ooh, wow, I feel this. After the first 24 hours, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was... Like, get this whew. baby out now. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, and then I am going to say, though, I do need a romantic, not romanticize, but yeah, bring the romantic aspect to a part that I thought would be the worst. Everyone has their own experience. And I, I, I like to say that, like, we all heal together. So for some people, you know, I think it could even be traumatic to hear even my experiences of about birth. So it's like, you know, I want to encourage everyone to, like, love their own experience, you know, and mm-hmm. there's so many... So, so many issues and traumas that can come up when we speak about these things. But I, I do like to center the hope and the positive of my experience and my story because there were a lot of stories that reinforced another way of seeing birth in a world where a lot of people just talk about it as the most like traumatic thing. Right. And I was wondering, like, what does it look like to have a birth that's empowering, that's beautiful that's maybe sexual like i saw these documentaries this one called um orgasmic birth you know Uh, and all all these different ways of seeing uh that go back to what we're talking about like the sexual energy that women can connect to and i think that's part of of it you know stephen king you know the obviously the the not obviously but the (laughs) the one who's uh written all these books yeah he actually uh had like his wife had like five or six kids at home wow. and he wrote this this book and there's a part where he says, I'm going to paraphrase, it's like, if every aunt, mother, a friend, person in the media tells you your whole life that birth is going to be painful, then you best believe it's going to hurt, right, you know? Right. But I tried to do the opposite. I tried to fill my mind with a lot of positive birth experiences And when I say positive, I don't mean that they didn't hurt. I mean, like, people that whatever they went through, all the pain they went through, they they had this this hopefulness and this connection to this sexual 
beautiful energy, empowering energy that motivated me. And so I was so excited to give birth <laughs> in that sense. That's cool. Um, so and then that that came through during my birth experience. And I wrote about it because I wanted to continue remembering that that sensation. So, yeah, um, well, awesome. I got yeah, I got lost in my birth story there, but it's OK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I, I don't. I mean, does it make me want to have one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any more than I already don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's like a really cool. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I want to do it for myself yet, but I love to see it. Yeah. I love to hear about it. I think it's pretty amazing. I don't know if I want to do the deadlifting the way you do, but I hear you and it motivates me in my energy, my motherhood, right? In, in everything I am. And I feel like that's what we do for each other as friends. It's like, well, doesn't always mean that I want to do exactly the same thing right. that my friends are doing, but it's something the within them yeah. connects with myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And like, I was talking to a friend recently and she was talking about her experience like doing DMT because she had a lot of religious trauma. And What um, is DMT? DMT is kind of like a, like, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a route that you take yep. that sends you on this trip. But that one is like people listening to this who have done it are gonna judge me so hard for like trying to explain it (laughs) because I've never done it but it puts you into like a dream state Mm. and it it shows you a lot about yourself Mm. and so like my friend Katie which I think you might have met but my friend Katie has done it twice and she said the first time she did it it forced her to deal with all of her addictions like, things that she was using, like, um, like, she was a chain smoker, like, smoked cigarettes big time when I met her, and, um, also just had an unhealthy relationship with food, and Mm -hmm. so her trip was all about that, was just all about, like, why she was using these things, and why she had this unhealthy relationship, and showing her, like, what she needed to do to, to kick it, and to get better, and, um, so it kind of, like, puts you in this dream state, and shows you things about yourself, and, like, what you're going through, and it's different Mm -hmm. for everyone, so sometimes people just have a trip, and, you know, Mm -hmm. experience something different, but generally it shows you, it peels back a layer of reality, to show you something deeper is the point. And, but, um, I was talking to a friend recently who had done it and she was saying that it showed her that Jesus's point in all of these like Mm. lessons and teachings and whatever that are all misconstrued. It, the whole point of all of it is connection. Mm. And I think, that the church like puts God into this box and it's like very ritualistic and very you have to do this to unlock this to get to this and it's very conditional you know Mm -hmm. like you have to follow these steps to go to heaven Mm -hmm. and like 
It's not even about that. It's really about how everything is connected. And, like, God itself is, like, the connection we have with each other. It's not, like, a... We're not... We shouldn't be humanizing it because it's more... It's much more than that. It's, like... It's an experience, and it's the connection that we have with nature, with each other. The love that we share is God itself, Mm. you know? So, I think that that we get away from that with all these, like, rules, and, and we suppress, like, our sexuality, and we suppress our creativity yeah. in those environments, and it's, we're not made to do that. <laughs> Did you know that the root of the word religion, it comes from, uh, and I know I'm going to butcher this because I, you know, I didn't study theology in seminary and I don't know exactly the language but uh ligios I think is means like think of ligaments so it's like a connection religion means to reconnect reconnect with each other reconnect with God reconnect with the divine reconnect with nature creation etc um but nowadays we should call religion like delision you know because we disconnect a lot from like you said from our own bodies from from ourselves from each other right you know we have this weird uh like barrier that is created through these belief systems and these doctrines uh, a lot of times i'm not gonna say that about every, every i'm not gonna say that about every form of of uh, every walk, right? And every right, walk of, right. with Christ, every uh, tradition. Different. I'm not going to say that it's for all of it, right? I I hold dear to my heart the faith and, um, yeah, the the walk, the walk with God with and this this journey that that I've been on and that right. I've had people to model that in my own life. But I do have to say that a lot of religion is really disconnecting. It is. Um, and we talk about that all the time, about that traumatic background. Yeah, um, we do. It's... And again, I don't want to say for people listening that have been a beautiful inspiration in my background. I'm not trying to say that you are a perpetrator. <laughs> like, right. by no means. I'm, I just want to say that, yeah, like I, I was traumatized as a little girl um, by a lot of things that I internalized. Right. Were I was not this... it. Right. I'm the same. And like, I... It, any not really anymore as you know like yeah. I don't really carry much shame mm. in my body <laughs> yeah. like I just don't I excuse my French but like I just don't have any more fucks to give like I'm out yes. of them you know <laughs> like I just don't. I've been wanting to have an explicit episode yeah. and even maybe to put an e on this episode yeah. so yes hell yeah it's just like hard like I you spend so much time like mm-hmm. Um, in your childhood and in that environment and maybe not for everyone because like there are some stronger personalities um, that I'm sure skip over this part but that you spend like trying to please people and trying to make this thing work yeah and it doesn't work for everyone like it's all a different experience for everyone and so when you're a kid you're just people pleasing you're trying to, like, appease your parents, and you're trying to do what's right, and you're trying to, you know, 
um, make it work for you. And then when you get into your teen years and you feel like this isn't working for me, you carry a shame about it because, you know, you've been indoctrined your whole life to do this, that you have to do this thing this way. Yeah. And, um, so that took a lot of like unlearning. (laughs) Yeah. Like this worked for my mom and it's not working that way for me and that's okay. Yeah. And that's totally, everyone's on their own journey there. Um, but I think we miss the connection piece a lot Mm -hmm. in that environment. And there's, um, a quote um, that I saw recently that I loved, and it was like, we can't shame ourselves into changing, but we have to love ourselves into evolution. Mm. And, like, you can't walk around, like, carrying wow. shame about who you are and, like, the life that you're living and grow. It is, it's impossible. Wow. Like, you can't, mm. it's like, you have to, like, find what about that is making you feel shame and remove it. And remove yourself from it. Because otherwise you can't... You're not going to be able to love yourself yeah. the way that you should. You know? One of the most transformational um, nuggets that I've received from listening to like counselors, psychologists, and even my own uh, life coach training that you know I did uh, was learning IFS, Internal Family Systems. And... It's this idea that within each of us, we have like a little family. So there's a part within me that's like a part that feels shame. Mm -hmm. And instead of me trying to repress that part, the best way to heal in those areas is to basically look at that Mm -hmm. part of myself, recognize it, acknowledge it, number one, and say, hey, shame, I see you. Uh, I I say this a lot, and I talked about this in my episode with my friend Melody recently, uh, but Thich Nhat Hanh, the beloved uh, Vietnamese monk that uh, I just love so much, um, may he rest in peace, he says, you know, look at your anger and say, hello, anger, like, I'm going to take care of you the way that I would take care of a newborn baby, right, the way that a mother takes care of a baby, and that's kind of what for me, what the internal family systems is, it's looking at these different parts in ourselves, and when they pop up, and even when they don't pop up, just being able to have a conversation with those parts in ourself. Yeah. So if there's like any shame, like we were mentioning, like, hey, shame, like, what's up? You know, right, right. can you tell me a little bit more about what it feels like? Why are you feeling that? And what do you need? Right. You know, and a lot of times, this can bring insight to us when we just listen to that part in ourselves. Yeah. You know, to just embody that part and then listen to it and and to then peacefully coexist with all the parts in ourselves. Right. Because I know that I, I've struggled a lot and I continue to struggle sometimes with that sense of shame and, and self-doubt. And it doesn't come by... Sometimes I think affirmations and like, positive affirmations can be so beautiful and lovely and empowering but sometimes it could feel like a superficial like just bypass a spiritual bypass kind of like we can do in different religious sense um to be like 
today's going to be a positive day. I am strong. <laughs> like, it's beautiful, but sometimes you need to actually do the shadow work. You got to yeah. look at the darkness in order for you to actually go through that and find yeah. joy on the other side. Yeah. So The shadow work is, like, I, like, sitting with my crap yeah. was so important to my evolution. Like, I can't even tell you. And that, I think that is society's problem, is, like, not wanting to be uncomfortable. And it's so important that you sit with the uncomfortable things and the uncomfortable moments so that you can pass, so that you, like you said here, like, basically you have to coddle those Mm. and feel them and, like, nourish them and then you let them go. Mm. So that when you feel them again, you're like, oh, hi, like, I've... I've treated you before. Like, yeah. we've spent time together before. So I know what I need to do to pass this. Yeah. So I, like, my religion, religious trauma, I guess, is, like, it gave me, like, a dissociative disorder. Like, I would disassociate. Wow. And um, because they, you grow up and they're telling you like you live in this world but you're not of this world so you're constantly removing yourself from your present wow and living for this afterlife that's supposedly next like you're doing all of these acts of service and all of these things for the next life instead of being present with yourself and being present in this life which is very important so it just, I would disassociate all the time. I could never be present. I could never, like, focus on anything, and I never knew why until one day I was doing shadow work. Like, I was in that mm. dark night of the soul is what they mm, call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I came out of it, I, it was like, it clicked for me. I was like, okay, I know what I need to do to be able to be present in my life. And you can't do that unless you're looking, like you said, you're almost examining all the pieces that are inside of you and looking for the root or the answer to be like, why do I feel like this? Mm. And it's okay to feel like that. I can see myself like reaching out to grab it, to like hold it for a little bit. Wow. And then, you know, when I'm done like caressing it and holding it I yeah. just like let it go you know I love that it's yeah. it's a sense of curiosity even within the pain there can be moments when when we learn these ways like internal family systems that I mentioned yeah. the way you're saying of like caressing the shame or the the pain or that right. that um the memory that your body holds on this whole dissociation yeah. uh disorder that now you have tools where you can kind of caress that and take care of it and then calm down. Like if you think of it in a metaphor, and that's another life coaching tool that I learned, um, to see see these heavy, murky parts in our life, right, that right. affect our mental health as a metaphor. So sometimes it's like, you know, if I were to ask you, I don't really want to get into it because I feel like there's a lot of other beautiful things that I want to talk about <laughs> with you. But um, otherwise, if I were coaching you right now, I would say, okay, when you go into that memory of the dissociative feelings, right? Not that I'm a therapist per se, I'm a life coach. So I got to make that dif- differentiation, differentiation, right? Yeah. Um, you know, 
if you actually have a mental health disorder, you know, find a therapist. But um, life coaching is really dope also. But if I were to talk about, you know, these issues from a perspective that like now you've healed and you and you just want to to deal with these things to to, you know, be better in the future. I would ask you, can you tell me what that feels like in an object? What's a physical object? And I've done this before where I talk about like a heavy connection that I have with a family member or someone that I know. It could be with a mother, with anyone. And then I just find a metaphor that it's like, oh, this person feels like, you know, this red ball that's really hot. And they're just like a really big monster when I get cornered with them. But then when I just step outside, it's like they become really small and then I can breathe again. There's there's like all of these metaphors that we can create that allow this space between us and that issue. And I think that this what we're talking about is creating space between ourselves and that issue um, in order to heal. And sometimes we got to create boundaries, literal boundaries with people and spaces. I know that you've talked about um, stepping out of christian church spaces like literally like you don't you you've needed to step away from these spaces in order to heal because it's felt like traumatic to you and mm-hmm. i think that you know i think that if there's a god out there that's loving us you know we have this creator that takes care of us and has this like maternal figure kind of love for us mm-hmm. why would that being be so petty to be like you need to be in the space that traumatized you in order for you (laughs) to be with me for eternity like what the fuck is that you know yeah that's like that's not even that specifically is like not even real to me like that's why I tell people like I cannot physically humanize God because it is so much bigger than that like it is just so much more and like all of it is connected all of these spiritual practices that people are doing have the same end game goal mm-hmm. and it really is about like connect like it really does come down to connection and your connection with other things yeah and like that's what people are longing for that's what know? i long for that's what i long for yeah. to create this world where like we can all truly connect to one another yes. and that we can find ritual um, and again, religion, but not in this, the heavy way that we think about it, but find a way to reconnect the yeah. Ligios, reconnect to one another, to nature, to our bodies in a way that's so loving, like that God is there, right? God right. is that connection. Exactly. Like, oof, amen. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love yeah. that. And I feel that because your way of connection means going through this tradition and this practice and this church, that doesn't mean that you need to force that on someone else. Just because this idea and this tradition makes you feel safe doesn't feel that you doesn't mean that you need to push that on someone else. Like right. I think of all the native, you know, like all these indigenous communities um, that those people have these know what rich... they're doing. Like indigenous communities, like those people with connection, they're like amazing i love like i love watching what they do to connect with each other and to connect with the world and like if we like i feel like like i wish our culture was like that 
Like, I wish American culture was more like that. I just wish that we were, like, spending more time, like, connecting the way mm. that they do. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I they're the original it. American culture, yeah. right? And, it's like, amazing. it's, so it's earth-based, um, earth-based uh, cultures and communities. And, obviously, there's so many different uh, native communities, right? Yeah. So, so it's, like... It's like when people say Latinos, they know what they're doing. Or Africans, like there's so much, you know, to a continent. There's so much to, but, but yeah, man, like a lot of my friends that, that talk about their indigenous ancestry and, and those experiences, it just feels very connective. It 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 feels those, 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 um, connections that they make. Um, and I think that colonization, right, the, the history of um, all the murder and all the terrible things that that happened in the quote unquote founding right <laughs> of the country right. uh, of the quote unquote United States like um, <laughs> that really has um, been like what we're talking about about um, delision right of disconnecting people through this violence and these traumatic right moments and i think that what true religion is is coming back and connecting to the true god right connecting again to to that creativity and that love and that compassion and empathy um yeah that's what i'm here for and and i'm just so excited for us to continue to build a world where we heal together and i think i i think we're doing it i you know like actually in this same space um, this last Wednesday, I had a group of organizers of this organization that's mostly led by black folks. Um, and I'm part of the Pinellas chapter of this organization. It's called uh, Faith in Florida. And so it's mostly like black folks and brown people that were here, uh, like 16 leaders were here um, just talking about the movement that we're creating in Pinellas County. And it was the first time that I went to one of these meetings. I've been a part of it, but it's been hard for me to drive all the way to St. Pete, right. which is where they, they typically meet. Uh, but they actually met at my home because they were looking for a space in Safety Harbor. And I said, why don't you just come to my house? Uh, people that work for social justice and community organizers. I was doing this work full time before with the farm worker community in Immokalee. Um, we're always like in buildings. So I'm like, why don't we just meet at a home and make it more warm? And we just ate pizza here. And it was so lovely. I ended up having a jam session with some of the friends, (laughs) some of my friends that were here. And it was just like that idea, like, man, like we're here to create a better Florida. In this case, we're talking about like, you know, a state that, that we live in, right? We're in right now where it's so like I, I went to the zoo with my baby I have an annual pass hell yeah the Tampa Lori <laughs> Zoo is so awesome so I hadn't gone all year and I went twice this week day nice. after day because I loved it and my baby loves it so I drove to Tampa did the whole thing and um I'm, I'm just you know as I love my favorite part I think is the aquarium part yeah you've been to the zoo I've never been to the one here okay but I you know I've you've been, been to an aquarium before Yes. Okay. Uh, Tampa actually has an aquarium. Yeah. But um, Baltimore has a really cool aquarium, which is so weird because it's not like a place you think of aquatically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, they have a really cool aquarium, and it's like magical. 
Mm. Like, it kind of, they have, like, certain parts of an aquarium that make you feel like you're in it, you know? That make Mm. you feel like you're Mm -hmm. in this, in the sea, basically. (laughs) I love that. And it's so, like, just comfortable, like, peaceful. Yeah. I felt the most peace and the most calm in the part of the zoo that's, like, the aquatic area. It's like a little Aquarius. And just learning, what's so cool about the zoo is, like, I think you can go every single day and learn something new. If you just go once, it's really hard to take in, especially if you have a child with you, to take in all of the things that that they, all the literature that they have and all of the information that they have there, right? It's hard to take it all in. So when I went twice in a row, it was like, oh, wow, I got to like see new things. And um, by the way, I'm celebrating that like it's summer season. So like I... I kind of stopped teaching some of my classes. So now I still teach classes, but I'm, I had some days off. So I was yeah. like, hell yeah, let's go to the zoo <laughs> theme park day. And so I woke up like a little girl, super excited, made a lunchbox for the baby, which I felt like such a mama. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm making a lunchbox and That's we're, so we're well fed and I don't need to spend money today. And then I ran out of water. I had to buy a water. But anyways, I'm trying to reduce my carbon footprint and use my water bottles but didn't work that day (laughs) but yo this aquarium like just made me calm down so much and by the way shout out to the freaking uh manatees oh they're so cute i love them they're so cute and you can see them like right here at the harbor in philippi park sometimes you could see dolphins i've seen them and there's manatees but you know, you're in the aquarium, so you can literally see their faces. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, they look like grandpas. Like, yeah. they have these whiskers, <laughs> and it's so freaking cute. And yeah. you can see, like, all their hair sticking out. But it just calms you so much to go there. And, by the way, my aunt and her partner, um, you know, my Aunt Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so her partner, Katie, is a diver, and she just got uh, my aunt to become a diver also. Wow. And That's they so talk cool. about, yeah, they recently were in Mexico and the best part of their trip was the diving that they went to like El Cenote, like these beautiful areas that are like, um, yeah, just a Mayan area where they were able to dive and uh, just see all the beautiful wildlife. And they sent me this crazy picture of like this fish that looks humongous and they're just they look so tiny next to it and they're just like diving chilling with the fishies so So i'm like i i kind of want to become a diver just for that because i'm like if this aquarium makes me feel this imagine that you know right like like being there yeah like in person that would be so wild i can't even imagine that i i really want to do that and i think rewilding when we talked about that at the beginning it's like we think about rewilding like like this energy of like the lion and it's like you're almost like this energy of like you're in a safari and you're that wild animal. But rewilding is also that gentle, tender energy that you can experience in like right. that the worlds under the sea, right? right? It feels like wonder really. Like mm. I would say so. Like it just puts you in this space of like awe. Mm. So, yeah. That's, that's where I want to live, man. I want to live. I know <laughs> just that. Just in awe, yeah. Just, yeah, just, obviously, you, the awe is, is also, can be present within the 
the pain and the joy and the challenges and all of it, but to kind of look at it with curiosity. Yeah. Be like, hello, like what we talked about. Hello, shame. Like, right. I it's see like magic. You. Yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but I like what you were talking about with that earlier. You mm-hmm. were talking about um, envisioning certain things as like a, um, or like certain feelings as objects or yeah. like a picture of like, uh, you were talking about like, yeah, you're like your red ball. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. person feels like this fire thorns and right. and it feels like yeah it's gonna like it's it's heating up my hand and it hurts and well if you're objectifying it it makes it easier for you to take it and put it away you know as if it's yeah like you can work with it and then file it away you yeah. know um but like with my freelance work and photography like that's mm. literally all I do is like the reason I started doing that is because I had mental health issues growing up and, um, I felt like I wasn't in the space to be able to talk about it. And so I would just make pictures about it. And that's what I would do. I would be like, what does this specific, um, disorder or feeling what does it look like? Damn. Like, if I were wow. going to take a picture of it and I wanted somebody to feel what I was feeling in that moment, like, what does that look like? And so that's, like, I feel like I live in that state of all sometimes just by doing that. Like, if you can take an inanimate object and take a picture of it and somebody looks at it and they can feel, like, what you were feeling in that moment, that is just like magic Mm. so that's like always my goal like even if it's really uncomfortable I want somebody to look at the photograph that I took and feel something Mm. anything it could be open-ended like you know they could have their own interpretation but I just want them to look at it and be like I feel that photo yeah yeah like the photos that you took of of Janet and I, yes, like yeah. they're so powerful and they feel so intimate, and I just I just love Maddie. Like, I love how visionary you are and how you like take risks. And there were some pictures that I didn't even post. Obviously, there's like too many pictures for me to post in one Instagram right. post, but <laughs> right. but there were some that were like so intimate and like. Some of them, honestly, I'm going to be super honest. And Janet is my homegirl. She's my sister. And you are as well. But some of them were like, I wasn't used to being that close. I don't think I posted some of them that were like that. But some of them that were like, we were like, like holding each other's faces in a certain way and wrapped around each other right. at the very beginning. And you, I have this experience with you as, as, as my, I want to call you my official photographer. <laughs> like, because it's, it's an intimate relationship. I think... My relationship with you, obviously, is, like, you're my sister, but also, like, as a photographer, like, the Baudoir photos that you took yeah. of, of myself that I gifted that book to Oscar, and I also, uh, I didn't gift it to my friends, but I gifted them as in, like, I sent them the Google Doc, and they're right. like, oh, yeah, like, my friends <laughs> that I feel I have that intimate relationship right. with and like these girls hell yeah hype <laughs> yeah. crew and these different girls that that I've loved so much throughout my life that I was able to show it to them and be like you know just just share that hotness with them but I feel that there's this experience I have with you as that 
photographer, which is such an intimate thing where I think that like at the beginning, I can start out like nervous and kind of like fidgety about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all of a sudden, like as we're taking the photos, it's almost like making love. It's like it's this intimate, like sensual, sometimes sexual experience where the Bador photos literally like I start out like just you know like like I have a bra on and then I'm kind of like hiding and I actually have a profile photo right now where you can't see like my whole body but like you can see the top and it's one of the photos that you took of me and it's I like it it's like hot and sexy and like very it's like vulnerable but cute and it's not like (laughs) too it's it's kind of like I it's hiding it's mysterious and I just posted it one day like on my I made it my profile pic without like posting it so it's like no one ever got a chance to it wasn't an invitation for people to like everyone come and like it or make a comment (laughs) it was more like I'm cute here I am I'm doing this for me bitch (laughs) but um yeah I I love how like I started out I started out so shy and then towards the end I remember the shower pics yeah in that little house you could tell that you were starting to like feel yes Every so every shoot I do with people that is yes. even ones that aren't as intimate as that like like the ones I did with you and Janet, everyone starts out very like stiff because yeah. they're like I'm not pho-. everyone always I'm not photogenic and I'm just like everyone says that it's not true yeah and so like I just go in usually I'll play music too that always helps people like get out of oh, their yeah. head a little bit I love that but. Um, I feel like with you, like, I don't have to, because you're, like, you're always music, Carry you know? it within. <laughs> yeah, you I'm my own party, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But, um, people always start out like that, and then I'll put them into certain positions, and then they'll feel it. They're like, oh, okay, like, I get it now. Mm. And then you can tell, like, they start to flow, and yeah. then they, they don't even need me anymore at that point. They're doing what they do when they're comfortable. You're like a freaking facilitator. You're like a doula. It's like a doula role. Like, you are helping people be in touch with their own bodies through your photography. Yeah. I'm a photo doula. Yes! I'm not even going to claim that. I'm not a doula. (laughs) I feel like you people, there's so many different kinds of doulas. Like, there's social justice doulas. There's death doulas. There is sex doulas. It's not just birth doulas. So, I don't know. I I just want to plant that seed in there for the (laughs) future. I just feel like, I'm obviously, I'm very passionate about that. And that's what I want to do with my life. And when people um, are stiff and uncomfortable and then they see that they can be comfortable with me, like, there's no, there's no judgment, there's no, like, this is a free-flowing session, Mm. you know? Like, I want to, obviously, there's going to be, like, a couple photos that are, like, staged, but the main goal in, like, photographing people is to get, like, a genuine you know Mm. like you see people's like engagement photos or like wedding photos and the ones that are genuine where they're like laughing or they're sharing a moment together are the the best ones Mm -hmm. and they're not staged Mm -hmm. it's like you're you're setting people up um to be comfortable and to be genuine Mm. so in the beginning you're staging them and you're moving them around like I feel like a I used to work in retail and like I used to have to dress the mannequins and stuff. Like I feel like that's what I'm doing in the beginning. Like I'm moving people's arms mm-hmm. around <laughs> and I'm like 
do this, stand here, do this, and then within, like, ten minutes, they're good. Mm. Like, they already know what to do. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you get comfortable, right? Like, you just do whatever feels right. Yeah, you become comfortable, and it's, like, it it just flows from there. Yeah. That's, That's the... I, I feel like you even had that energy today. Like, it happens when you took our... we So, uh, my little family. Um, so, my hubs, Oscar, and my baby, and our baby dog, fur baby. Uh, we Os- Maddie took us, like, a, like uh, holiday pics, right? Because oh, yeah, we yeah. were like, oh, first year with a baby. Like, let's do, like, the whole family Christmas pics. And then we sent... Uh, these pictures to some some folks and it was super cute um and maddie of course was the one we we hired for the job and we took it here at our house it was so warm and i just feel like yeah you always you always do that you always like show up i'm like oh my god like it do i have enough time and i sometimes i'm fidgety at the beginning and then you're just so chill and it's just like we just you were just, you started taking pictures of the baby. This is how you started it. You started taking pictures of the baby while he was like, he's just chilling, playing. playing. Yeah. I mean, I, he's still wild. He's not, he's not <laughs> at the age where like he's, he's, uh, babies and kids are so like yeah. themselves. So, well, with the Christmas, it's easy because they like shiny things and there's like, <laughs> you know, like ornaments yeah. and flowers and like stuff. Yeah. And I always bring extra and just like throw them around because I love that. Then they play with it and they think it's funny or then they throw it around. So, like, that's usually how. You're like a vibe creator. I just had a beautiful day. That whole day I had a beautiful... I feel like, Maddie, every time I've taken pictures with you, it set me up to just have such a beautiful day of wonder. <laughs> like, awesome. I just feel so connected to my body after I take pictures with you. When we did that photo shoot with Janet, it was spiritual for you because I remember you had said, like, you were in a, you were in a whole funk. Yeah. And then through um, that photo shoot, you felt like you just got unstuck. Yeah. I felt like I was craving that intimacy space uh with my sisters and my friends and it was just so sexy and so beautiful and it wasn't just you know the nuclear family photos that are so they could be cute but it's just so like overhyped in our society right where it's like let's center intimacy and friendships that's what the right. photo shoot with janet was and i think that was ah oh, it was just such a beautiful day um to just connect with the the wild we were literally like in the swampy um <laughs> marina we were in the swampy little beach of the yeah. bay or whatever you want to call it yeah and you know we had the mosquitoes hello florida <laughs> and Love we had that. the sun and we had each other to connect so i yeah. i actually think you are creating true religion and like reconnecting ourselves yeah. with ourselves you are a bishop in the true oh, version of it that's sweet through your art and your I photography <laughs> I'm the bishop. That's so funny. Uh, I love that. I love that I get to do that for people with my life. Like, that's just the best. I love it. I love it so much. And it's, like, so hard. (laughs) But it's so rewarding. Um, Like, before I took those... I had all these different creative shoots lined up, and I was doing them for free because they were personal projects. Like, I just needed somebody to help. Mm -hmm. Like, I just needed somebody to sit in the photo for me, really. Mm. And so I had spent money on some 
you know, props and stuff for all these different ideas, and, like, nobody could show up for me, and it, that was just so hard, mm. you know, like, when you, like, put time and money and effort into these, these visions that you have, and then, like, and you're offering it for, mm. like, if somebody was, like, hey, I need your help, can you come sit, and I'll take free pictures of you, I would be, like, sure, like, of course, What's like, why would you turn it down, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, um, but when people aren't paying for things, they're more than likely, like, they're less likely to show up for them, is what I'm learning, mm-hmm. so that's really hard, like, mm-hmm. when you, you're putting time, and you're taking time out of your schedule, a block of time out of your, my stupid mm-hmm. schedule, <laughs> to, like, do this with this person and they don't show up it's just like disheartening so Mm -hmm. that morning when you guys were like yes this date works this time works let's do it I was like yes like Mm. finally like people are gonna show up for me it's gonna be so Uh. fun yeah and it was it was like amazing you guys crushed it Maddie will show up for you whenever you're like amazing I know I can count on you guys um so it was so fun. I loved it. It just really brought me out of my, my, you know, seasonal depression. Yeah. <laughs> my friend Katie, uh. she calls it the spring sads. Mm, spring sads. <laughs> yeah. And yep. I was like, what is that? I've never heard yep. anyone say that. And she was like, you know, like holidays are so hard and they're so busy. Yeah. And you're like doing all this stuff that you don't want to do. Yep. And making these, like, special moments not special by doing these traditions. These expectations that we put on holidays, I mean, it could be so hard because we're like, oh, this this time of year needs to be magical. The magical moments and the wonder a lot of times happens when we least expect it. Right, it's organic. You can't force that. We force a lot of things in the holidays as a culture. That's what she was talking about. She was like, I call it the spring sads because it's like springtime (laughs) is right after every single holiday season. And so you're finally able to just sit with yourself, (laughs) decompress. And it can be like, you know, like... Holidays can be traumatic sometimes. Yeah. So like sitting like with your feelings, she's like, "Yeah, dude, spring sads." The spring sads. <laughs> so our that shoot so like, brought me out of the spring sads. Aww, leave it to sisters, and I want to create a world where our holidays could be like with our special families that from within, like our chosen families, um, that we can choose to spend time with whoever we want, however we want. Yeah. I think we're creating a new world. And that's why I, I kept, I, I say a lot of different stories to make one point. When I said the story about going to the zoo, the point was that I, you know, in the aquarium, they would talk about how the Florida life, um, like literally like the wildlife in Florida is one of the most unique on the planet. And I connect that to being with the, these organizers in my house on Wednesday that they're like, how are we going to create a new world here in Florida, in our Pinellas County? How are we going to change everything? How are we going to shake shit up? And it just gives me so much hope to be with people that are like rewilding our planet in this community here and now in this county in Pinellas. Cause I'm like, damn, like, you know, we are a very special place. Like Florida's beautiful. I love where I live. 
there's all these politics that I want to sh- I want to change. I want to be a part of of changing this, creating trouble, you know, shaking shit up. Yeah. Um, and it's just like how more how much more can we connect with the essence of like what we want in this world, if not like through nature and um and I think that you do that in your photography. You help us rewild. And I'm so glad that you got to do that. I do want to touch on a, a couple points um, before we close because it's related to your work. And we were talking the other day that you and Dom came over to eat with us. And you were just saying, like, I just want to make people uncomfortable. I want to make people sit with their discomfort through my art and through my life. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it goes back to, like, what we were talking about before, like, shadow work. Um, I think people are very avoidant of it. I think people don't like having hard conversations. Um, They don't like controversy. And, like, all of those things are really important for change. So, if, like, what you were talking about with your organizers for Pinellas County, like, like, if we really want to see change happen here, like, where we are, we're going to have to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Yep. You know? Like, Hell yeah. We're going to have to do some things that people don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and have a lot of conversations that people don't want to have. And I think that's important all the time. You everywhere. think of politically, like, the white, middle class, um, the privileged communities right. here in Safety Harbor uh homeowners that are like um comfortable right. with the the way that things go and then the yeah. the conflict that that comes into when you're like no like there's a lot of black and brown right. folks and marginalized that communities that are forever. here that have been here for a really long yeah. time right and and that are going through like the housing crisis and all this kind right. of stuff like we're going to have to make each other very uncomfortable and have a lot of hard conversations in order to win our campaigns right and they don't want like these white rich you know people who aren't marginalized don't want to have the conversation because it's not affecting them like their privilege is allowing them to be comfortable and a lot of other people don't have that you know to fall back on so it, it's like the discomfort that us as as white and white passing and just people that that we have all kinds of privileges that other people don't at this moment. Um, I do like this phrase that's like there will always be a more privileged person in the room and a less privileged person in the room. That's kind of grounding for me. But I do think that like, you know, we can talk about ourselves as being like in a privileged position in some ways and yeah, and sure. in many ways. Um, and to think about the discomfort of the thoughts that can come up when we're like, oh, like, what if we have a conversation with Aunt Betty and, you know, just like family and friends and community members that might not think like us, that we find we feel called to have conversations about white supremacy and breaking down, like just creating a world where we can disrupt the whiteness, anti-blackness that exists. I think that we need to make people, we need to be okay with having uncomfortable conversations. But what I want to get to is like the discomfort of these conversations is nothing compared to feeling threatened by like, oh, like I have nowhere to live. And, uh, you know, my child 
my black child can die because right. someone can feel threatened by them being in their neighborhood being like that's child. that's nothing yeah. in compared like that is is so the the odds are so much greater like the the lack of safety and where that lies in the pain like if if you talk about pain and suffering um that that could be so much worse than what we can experience by just what like maybe someone not liking what we say you know like we got to step out of that that comfortable place that we're in if the discomfort is keeping us away from having the conversations that we know that we're called to have in solidarity with other people to have a more connecting community right because our struggles converged like even the homeowner that's in this white suburban community is affected by the same kind of bullshit that's affecting renters um that can't pay rent or whatever like like our struggles converge you know our struggles converge and i think that's what we need to continue to to realize as our communities yeah for sure these conversations and i'm like like i said i don't really have a lot of like f's to give anymore so like me saying something that is potentially offensive to somebody because it makes them uncomfortable like i don't care about that and like odds are like the hoity-toity people that live in our neck of the woods I'm probably never going to see them again, you know? <laughs> like, like if I can say something that makes you uncomfortable, but that will make you ponder it later, then that is all that matters. Like, I'm probably not going to see you ever again, and you might not like me anymore because I said this one thing that makes you uncomfortable, but if it makes you go home and, like, at least think about it, then I did my job. You planted a seed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's all you have to do. And it doesn't have to be this combative. That's the other problem is that, like, nothing has to be combative. Like, we can have open conversations about our differences and it not be, like, we're not striving to be better than each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, my ideas might not match up with yours entirely and that's totally fine like we're trying to make a more inclusive environment for everyone Mm. to be able to thrive and it's not going to happen unless we have conversation Mm. you know like I talk about um like my relationship with my mom a lot with you because Mm -hmm. it's it's hard because we believe the complete opposite mostly but there's specific verbiage I can use with her where I know we're talking about the same thing. Mm. So it's easy for us to make connections with each other based off of that. Like, mm-hmm. if she's talking about the Holy Spirit, I know that we're communicating about energy in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I can... I, I feel that. I can bridge that gap with her. Yeah. And, like, you should be able to do that with everyone. Really, like, there's some common ground with everyone. Absolutely. You know? And, like, we can have these, like, hard, uncomfortable conversations without it being, like, a finger-pointing, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, it doesn't have to be It could combative. be loving. Yeah. And we can also recognize ourselves and every other person. Like, going back to the beloved teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, um, may he rest in peace and power, he talks about, like... Um, 
the oppressor and the oppressed being within us. Like when you talk about, and I talked about this in my episode with Amy Bryant, the fabulous woman who started off our, our first couple of episodes. Um, I would she, love to meet her. I, yeah. I listened to that podcast, by the way. Keep yeah. going though. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you listened to the podcast? I did. Yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. I mean, she lives like right around here cool. and she's around here a lot. So yeah, we should definitely make it happen. She would probably love to meet you too. I love her. Um, so she, she and I talked about like how she, she's talked about having European blood, but having all this African blood and indigenous blood and how her, she has daughters that, um, married white folks and how she says like, if I hate white Southern people, I'm hating my grandchild. If I hate white Canadian people, I'm hating my grandchild. That's just so powerful because it's like, I think that I was talking to Oscar about this yesterday, that sometimes when someone else, something makes us cringe, it's good to look within because sometimes we say, I'm not those people, but it's like, no, like allow yourself to be all of the people. Right. Maybe we're talking about people that are like, you know, white people with with a certain outlook on life when you can also think of another person like maybe i told oscar what about a white father that only wants to live in a white world and his daughter falls in love with a black person and then they have he has black grandchildren like how does that mess how does that contradiction make him feel and it's just like i think that we all live in a world of contradictions all the time we all have these contradictions around us. So there's a point where we need to kind of like find all of those bits within us and heal those parts within ourselves. I I wrote that, I I started a blog and I I wrote this post about called Heal, Heal It In Thyself. And it's about like when something pushes your buttons about someone else, heal it in yourself. It's an invitation into like, where does, where do those things that you're just pointing a finger at someone else for where does that exist and live in yourself right heal it in yourself before you try to go heal the world um i'm reading a book by adrian marie brown immersion strategy um and she just continuously mentions her her mentor grace lee boggs she says um transform yourself to transform the world like that's a that's a work over and over transform yourself to transform the world you know she that. also talks about fractals, this idea that like everything in the universe, like the things in the galaxies exist on a very minor level, like the patterns that we see in flowers exist in the galaxies. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen those diagrams that like I have. things that isn't and that so cool? It is cool. And I, I haven't done mushrooms yet, but I hear that a lot. Like when a lot of people trip, they see that <gasps> they see wow. like fractals. Yeah. And um, that is a common theme. Wow. So, like, if everyone sees it, oh, I got you know? <laughs> I know. Like, if everyone sees it, generally, like, it must be there, you yeah. know? And it's, yeah. Like, that's why I don't knock psychedelics at all, because it peels back. Like, I haven't done them yet, but it, it definitely allows you to peel back a layer of, like, the reality that you're in and, like, look at the big picture, you know? Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I support people that do it 
in ways that are responsible and right. like, good for the community <laughs> right. and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I don't encourage people to do it because I know the way that I work, the exactly. way that my mind works, and I'm like, I don't want to trip in a way right. that I just feel like it, it and there's a lot of it could be overstimulating and and. I think everyone needs to know themselves and be on their journey right. responsibly. But I, yeah, I've never tried That's mushrooms. That's a common um, but, uh, occurrence, though, for people who trip or f- fractals, what you mentioned. Fractals. That is so freaking dope. I, I love that. I want to yeah. hear more about that. That's so cool. I know. You'll, you'll have to have a specialist come on the podcast. I know, right? A specialist. Somebody who trips a lot. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's start making taking inventory of our friends. Yeah. That trip a lot. <laughs> that fractals thing is so dope, man. And it's the the thing I wanted to bring home with that was like she Adrian Marie Brown brings that back to the way we live. We wanna create communities that that are loving and democratic, but if we're not doing that in a interpersonal level, if we're not doing it within us, then how are we gonna change our world and community in that way? So that's why we transform ourselves to transform the world. Yeah, I love that. I um, I like what you said about, like, if something makes you feel, like, cringe, you know? Like, taking an inventory of yourself and, like, mm. why it makes you feel that way. Because my, my beloved, <laughs> my partner, mm. Dom, mm. Um, we were looking at houses in, like, specific neighborhoods in Tampa for a while um, before we moved to Safety Harbor. And there would be, like, certain streets or neighborhoods where he'd be like, I don't know about this neighborhood. And I would be like, well, what specifically is making you feel that way about this neighborhood? Mm. Like, uncomfortable, you know? Um, And generally, it wasn't anything like prejudice, (laughs) you know? Because he's not like that at all. But it was just... I say that to people a lot yeah. because sometimes you, you have biases that you don't realize are there. Yeah. You know, and I like to do that for myself as well. Yeah. Just like, why am I feeling this type of way about this specific situation? You know, like what's setting me off to feel that way? To challenge the fears and the racism that we've internalized, because I think all of us have that even, you know, within our own communities and right. I know that like we've we've internalized like I think as women that we can internalize a lot of patriarchy yeah and can, yeah. and the same way like anyone no one is exempt from racism like I I don't really like saying like I, I when someone says oh I'm not racist or you know I'm like I think that's blinding you know like yeah. you can't start from that place you gotta I think we gotta start from a place of being like yeah like I am a sinner like I I have all the evils that I hate in society they live within me too because I see them and again my Wayfinder Life Coach training um the main coach Martha Beck she would say if you spot it you got it yep the things that (laughs) you pay attention to the most they're alive in you some way or somehow so I think instead of pointing fingers a lot a, a more interesting thing would be like oh why am I uncomfortable right what are the racist ideas that maybe make me feel like fear in the face of like certain areas and neighborhoods and right. and that's a healing process right like yeah, to sure. come in in terms with our own shadows and I think that that's like I, I want to go back to the friendship thing because we've been talking about friendship a lot and um again a beloved teacher about hooks um, may she rest in power um says I'm going to paraphrase that love 
the definition of love is to care for the spiritual growth of the other. And I think that's that's what we do for each other. You oh, know, like yeah, for sure. we allow each other to to grow spiritually through this space and our spaces. And I think that like, you know, a part of that is like gently bringing each other in to to that growth. And yeah, and I love that. I love that about these conversations. And even today when I was thinking I have this gratitude journal that I haven't written in in months and then last night I took it on again Janet gave it to me actually <laughs> um I I was using it and it says you know like what's your focus for the day and what are you looking forward to and more than just like an inanimate project of like oh this podcast that you know it's like I didn't see it as like I'm excited about this thing that's a thing I saw it like oh like I'm gonna have this warm conversation with my friend and yeah. this my sister that I love so much and like this moment is what I'm looking forward to and I just I'm so grateful that you've been in this space with me so Aww. I wanted to say thank you for coming on my of podcast course, and yeah. for being so cool and <laughs> before we turned on the record button you actually made me cry because you started talking about how we've always had like free flowing conversations yeah. and you started talking about the beginning of our journey as friends, which is actually <laughs> the beginning of my journey with now my baby daddy. Right. It's yeah, like, Oscar. yeah. Cause you were roommates when yeah. I, I first met him we and yeah. I was just, you're, you're sharing that. And I was just like getting teary. Yeah. yeah. I love how we became friends and, and honestly, I won't take too long cause I know we're, we're coming to the end of this, but, um, in the beginning, I was cautious of you because I was, like, wanted to protect my friend, you know? Aww. And, um, but then once you Which started... I'm really grateful for, <laughs> that you, like, love them that much. Yeah, yeah, but then when you started coming around, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is definitely going somewhere. Because <laughs> you were, like, staying over, like, teaching classes from our house, and I was like, <laughs> oh, Oscar's gonna have a girlfriend. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm just really glad it worked out because we, obviously, we became friends like kind of before you started getting serious so mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that that it worked out and that we're friends and to have you in my life so thanks for having me on the podcast <laughs> I love you I love you too I don't think you've ever told me that you were cautious of Oscar that way like I, well, I don't think we've had this conversation before you were like you weren't dating yet, but you were, like, staying over yeah. a lot, and you were doing your laundry at our house, and I was, like, so Oscar, like, are you guys, like, you know, like, doing any, like, is she, is she playing getting, games? Are you getting any, or, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that was his whole family, though, yeah, I like, was, who's like, this girl you're bringing to the party, yeah, I was, like, is something happening here, or is she, like, using the house, like, what's going on, like, is it cool, are we cool, is everything good, and he was, like, yeah, 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 we're just, like, hanging out right now, and I was, like, okay, okay, I mean, that just makes you the realest kind of friend because yeah. <laughs> I feel that, like, yeah, that's how his mom was also. She was cautious. Even when we started dating, she had this thought. She was like, oh, like, Oscar is in his adult life. Like, what would it be like for him to, like, lose his first girlfriend? And, yeah. you know, after she passed away, my beloved suegra that I love, we both love yeah, so dearly. I and I, I miss really, her so much. I still love Sarah. She's still so present, I feel like. <sighs> Yeah, 
I, she is a most beloved. Like we've mentioned a few people where I've been like, may they rest in peace. But that's like literally like such a beautiful person. I feel like uh, you can cut this too if you want. But I feel like with Sarah, like I feel like I understand now that she's like not present, like physically present. I feel like I understand why she didn't want to like have a service or have this whole hoopla and it's because like like she's still so like we don't really have to yeah like obviously we grieve her physical being like but she's still so present in she is so your present. life you know so she's so present her vibrant energy yeah. was like she was not the energy of like typical grieving which is so right. crazy this is one of the notes that i had for us to talk right. and i was thinking oh well we'll talk about it in another podcast episode but you were telling me about how there's so many different ways to grieve and yeah. how so many ways to experience a death of a beloved other. And I, this was one of my notes that I decided I was almost going to not mention. And here I am mentioning it <laughs> organically. Yeah. Like, I think that's a perfect example of like, she was kind of like, no, like, I feel I wanna... like she planted that seed. She, she was did. like, you're going to remem remember me like presently. Yeah. You know, and by not, not wanting a funeral. Loss. Yes. Yeah. But grieve my physical loss but celebrate that I'm still present here because she is like her energy is like still still here yeah. we talk about her so much and the grieving of her has been so different Oscar and I talk about a lot like like at the beginning we were like well part of a funeral is probably like having us this space where we just kind of like maybe purge like all these memories and just cry it out and you know not having a burial like what does that mean um you know, and it's so interesting because now that you say that, it feels like it hasn't been a, it, it's been a, a, a form of grief that's, that's been long, but it's also been like a grief that's also been celebratory at times because it's like, we feel her alive with us. Right. I really do feel her alive. Like even girl, like I saw her when I was, I stayed with her through hospice, through end of life. And the day that she passed, like just less than an hour later, we were there and I saw her body. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, this is death. I was like, we, we create all these stories about death. We always talk about death and it's the most like feared thing in the world. But it was just like one moment she was breathing and the next she wasn't. Right. And her story is still there. She's still with us. But this body that towards the end she was leading her to suffer a lot because her cancer was eating her up right. alive. She suffered like freaking crazy towards the end. But it's like she had this life and it's like she's still present with us. Right, and right. It's just so freaking beautiful. I wish death was more like that for for all of them. Like, I wish we treated it like that mm. for all of them. Like, I feel like this society does not do that. And, like, other cultures and other, other people... Um, do that like they allow space for that type of grief mm. which is so beautiful like it's almost makes it easier going into that chapter of, of life because like obviously it is hard like there's no doubt and we need to allow space for those hard feelings but being able to like have people's presence after they leave and like celebrating that is so special and so like, I've had to grieve a lot over the last few years. We've had a lot of, like, loss. And, like, holding on to that has helped me do it differently. 
than I did before. Like, it's more, I'm becoming more comfortable with, with that, which is a very uncomfortable thing because Mm. I've been in it a lot, you know? With the idea that death is a reality. Well, yeah, it is. It is. Like, we're, we are all dying, (laughs) you know? So. Don't you want to tattoo that in a way? Yeah, I, I would like to get a memento mori tattoo, um, it's, I'll probably butcher it because I'm not as like, you know, but it's Latin. It's memento memori, memento vivere, amore fati, carpe diem, which is, um, mm-hmm. we all die. Um, and you have to remember that in order to live, love your fate and seize the day. We always say carpe diem. We don't say that whole thing, but you just said the whole thing and it, yeah. like I have goosebumps right, <laughs> right now. Like carpe diem is like not even the most important part it's remembering (laughs) it's remembering that this is going to happen so that we live and love our fate and then seize the day so you need all of it to be able to can you just say that one more time memento uh, memento mori memento vivere amore fate carpe diem and say what it means um remember that you're going to die so that you may live love your fate and seize the day Remember that you're going to die. So that you may live. So that you may live. Remember, love your fate. Love your fate and, and seize, seize the day. day. Yep. Oh! <laughs> Without further ado, <laughs> I think that's our closing. Yes. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Maddie! <laughs> love you, girl. <laughs> All right. That was fun. Thank you, wild ones, for listening to this episode of Cositas by Wonder Keeper. See you next time.